welcome back to our part two of our two-part series, The Black Tax. Listen in while we continue our discussion on the cost of being black in America. There's so many like startling statistics that we really have to put some fire under each and every one of us and be intentional in terms of like you mentioned working with you know someone who has a black business um so many times um that we you know go to someone else that doesn't look like us to get anything financially done uh where i think that's that's a grave error where we have access to the internet to find someone if it's not in our immediate neighborhood it could be somewhere across the country. So one statistic that I saw was the Road to Zero Wealth Report, uh, where yep. it stated that Black wealth will fall to zero, while the median wealth of Black America fall to zero by 2053. Um, so I just, I know that financial literacy is so important in, in every possible like statistic in terms of outcome of, of being successful, but what are some like like tangible things that we can do right away to to fix this uh, this issue as far as like educating black people on uh, finances. Yeah, so I wanna, I wanna give some kind of context to it, right? You have the individual and the system or the environment in which they are operating. The vast determinant of outcomes is the system that you're operating in for the environment, much less so the individual, right? It, it's the richness of opportunities and resources within that system is highly predictive of the success levels that, that you will have. You could actually swap out kind of individuals. So if we if we put that black people are living in environments that are hyper exposed to poverty, persistent poverty, 10 times more likely to be exposed to that if you're black than, than someone else. If you if you kind of put some of that to a side and then you just focus on kind of black people. So what I don't want to do is, is place the blame on black people for environments that they did not create that were actually imposed upon them that's driving these suboptimal outcomes. But if you just hone in on the person and you say, okay, what can you do you know, as an individual? Depends on kind of where you are within, within your, your ecosystem. One of the first things that you wanna do is you wanna maximize to the best of your ability, your earning potential, right? So that's in, what are the fields that you choose to kind of go into? And this is presuming that you're at a certain age where you still have those kind of choices and you've already made the choice and been substantially kind of down the road. But that, that choice is really important. Are you choosing something that's very high skill intensive where there's a higher rate of compensation for it? That's huge because those decisions can be plus or minus several million dollars over a career, right? You know, if you decide, like there were careers I never knew about when I was younger, uh, which is like the ultra, I didn't know about Wall Street, right? I didn't know about investment banking. I didn't know about consulting. I didn't know about any of that stuff, right? When I, when I was younger, we, we need people to be more aware of the higher income, right? Because we're, we're selecting low income fields and our environments are driving us to lower compensation fields, which is problematic. That's lowering the revenue that you're going to make. The, the other piece, independent of revenue, is how do you maximize how much you retain, right? So like the black tax is all about at the end of the day, how do we create, uh, you know, jobs at scale that are like family supportive and intergenerational creating, you know what I mean? So you have more than enough to cover today, stuff left over for tomorrow. That's critical. We can, if you work to get people that higher income, that's terrific. But now we got to turn that 
earned income into retained income. And that's about how do you handle, manage, and grow those resources to maximize kind of cash flow. That's the first step, especially if you're not going to be getting inheritance and intergenerational wealth transfer. And that's a big piece of, of education because we're all trying to figure it out, right? As, as we're doing that in a, in a society that's based on con- hyper consumption using debt. We're in, and also in a society where if you're black, you're getting the impression like you're not good enough. And oh, by the way, how you might respond to that is to show people through your possessions that you are. We know these things, the outward things are interpreted in a really, really positive way that could lead us to kind of engaging in something we can't fully own at that that point in time. So we've got to have like a purpose driven view so we can make uh, to make other choices. Right. That would be difficult for most people to, to make. Once you kind of maximize your cash flow, it's. Are we taking advantage of the things that are available to us from like a retirement perspective? And, and this is just basic stuff. I'm not getting super sophisticated stuff. I'm not going to talk about Bitcoin. I'm not going to talk about any, any of that kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, are people aware that, you know, 80% of companies have a tax-deferred savings account, right? 401ks and things of that nature. Are people aware that 80% of those countries companies provide a match? The match is typically could be, you know, 4%, right, of, of what you earn, be like you know 50 50 or 100 up to some percentage of your salary in any case it's free money you put in money they're going to complement that money that's a hundred percent return right and then the government is is going to require that you pay less taxes today based on the money that you're kind of putting in that's three different streams that's kind of building up on that over time and what does that look like you know over time so just basic stuff like that if you're taking the difference of starting using that right out of college and doing that for 40 years, that's plus or minus, you know, million dollars very, very easily, much more than that over a 40 year period. So there's some basic things like how do you maximize how much you can earn by choosing really high skill, high compensation areas? Um, How do you retain the most money possible? And then make sure that we're investing kind of in saving in the future with some of these vehicles that, that we're talking about. How do we put ourselves in a position where we're limiting debt our young people are going off to get university and they are absorbing massive levels of debt. And it's absolutely not right, especially for black, um, you know, young people going off to school who are coming from families that do not have the economic resources to cover the cost, right, um, you know, of that. And that's a net loss to, to the country. So there's a, there's a lot of, of basic steps that, that we can kind of take. Now, this issue of, you know, getting to zero um, in by the, you know, next 30 years, that's median income. That's not, people interpret that as the wealth of black people is going to zero. The wealth of black people is not going to zero, right? What that means is if you line up all earnings, right? Or all black families and you look at all the wealth levels and you go to the midpoint, right? It means that at the midpoint, that person's wealth would be zero and everybody else below them will be negative. That means that 50% of black families will have a zero or negative net worth at that time. Today is 35%. This is, is horrible, right? And we're barreling you know, towards that. There will be people in higher wealth levels that, that may continue to do, to do well. I think it's a national security uh, issue and it's something that's untenable. I think the unfortunate news is that time period 
is likely have been sped up by because of this COVID, um, you know, economic disaster, right? Because while the market's already up, black people have disproportionately not been invested in the market, right? So the wealth that was lost for them is staying lost. That's the, the, the money that you had in your savings account that you had to spend, right? Just to, to make ends meet or to, to stay above water. It's all the credit that, that's being absorbed by people to kind of make ends meet at you know 30 plus percent that they're kind of paying all this stuff off. I think that time period is gonna happen in, in a lot uh, less than, than 30 years to get to that point now, which is, which is a huge, massive issue. So you 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 mentioned Bitcoin and you know, now now I'm down that rabbit hole. So I, I have to ask you, you know, where do you see Bitcoin and and as it relates to Black people? Because you know, I uh, I think I read that 15 percent of Black 15 percent of people are 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 just delving into cryptocurrency. Um, and you know, and I, I I don't know the statistics for Black people, but I mean, I'm assuming that it's not that much. And I'm just thinking where they're projecting uh, Bitcoin to be in the next 10 to 20 years. And and I'm thinking that we need to get on this now. But you know, what what do you what do you say about that? I think if you have credit card debt, you shouldn't be talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> Same thing Mookie would tell me. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're paying, you know, 34% on your credit card, which is like 50% before tax, that's on an after-tax basis, by the way, right? So like 50%, there's, there's no investment that's going to give you that return per year, but you're paying that negative return per year. You got to get rid of that, right? Technically, if you're in that type of situation, it might mean you don't own a shirt on your back, right? Particularly if you bought it in your credit card, it hasn't been paid off yet. So the, the different people are at different places along the continuum. So there are people who, who've already covered all the fundamentals and they have significant disposable cash. And some of that disposable cash, they're gonna put into things like Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever other cryptocurrency that really makes a lot of sense based on their risk tolerance. The problem is when you have people that don't have that issue, right? We're putting up all that they have. That that's engaging in very risky kind of kind of business. That's why I always study start with the fundamentals so you can put yourself in a position to be considering one of these other alternative asset classes like Bitcoin or or other things. So what are the fundamentals? What 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 unsecured kind of credit card debt do you have? Right? And do you have enough cash flow? to be able to target that and pay it off in a meaningful way and redirect that cash flow, obviously, to paying off more debt or to maximizing your savings. By the way, as you reach into another asset class, if you have money, you're not putting it into your 401k, you're not getting a free money from the, from, from the corporate match. And that, that you're losing you know, every year on a go forward basis and all the returns that you'll be getting on that. And oh, by the way, you're, you're also not utilizing the reduced amount of taxes that you would be paying because you get to invest that also. You don't have to pay that typically until, you know, after you take it out, um, you know, after like 59 and a half or, or, or something like that. So it's, it's, are you really taking advantage of all the tax incentivized things? And I think that takes you all the way up to your first $26,000, right? 
then after that, you, you know, you start thinking about a bunch of, you know, other, other aspects. So it's, you want to invest, but you actually need to have the resources set aside for that because there are many other buckets. Okay. Did you also want to buy a home? Right. Well, it takes time to save up the down payment and to make sure that you have the wherewithal to be able to maintain the operating costs. Depending on where you are, you know, are you going to have, you know, kids that may be going off to college? Has has money been put aside for them? Right. In, in a meaningful way to the best of your, your ability. Right. Um, you know, have we have we done a good job in kind of paying off debt? Have you laid out resources for a rainy day in case something untowards happening within your industry? Most people don't have the resources to last two weeks without a check, right? So it really kind of depends on where you are and that continuum for, for me or anybody else to talk about what you should be doing with a particular investment strategy, right? Because it might be great for, for one person and it might be extremely risky uh, policy for, for someone else. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely agree with with those sentiments. Um, uh, one thing that you mentioned was uh, of student loan would. Sorry. <laughs> uh, student loan debt. Um, black people take out more debt uh, than all of our other counterparts. Um, but one thing that's much different is um, education or college has been diluted. Um, whereas, you know, if you got a degree in the eighties, nineties, or even before that, like it was valued to get in the bachelor's, um, now the bachelor's equivalent to maybe I would say a high school degree at, at, at this point, but where you mentioned that we're, um, going into degrees that are not high income producing. So we're actually putting ourselves in the worst predicament than our, our next generation. So, you know, for, for people who are listening, who, you know, having, you know, who have kids who they're thinking about college or school, do you think, do you think college is, is, is necessary uh, at, at this uh, point in time? And do, how do you feel about um, uh, uh, community college or just going to state schools? Do you think that's a, a better avenue to make sure that, you know, we're not saddled with student loan debt as soon as we graduate? Yeah. So college is obviously very necessary, right? All, all this stuff about you don't need it is doesn't even make any sense. Let me tell you why. Let me, let's get past how I feel about anything, right? So if you have a college degree, there's a premium in terms of your earnings, which is 100% more than people who don't have college degrees. Second thing that's important to understand is 50%, over more than 50% of all hours work in the economy is done by people with like, you know, uh, college degrees, right? So it, it's pervasive and it's a huge premium over not having it. Does that mean in all cases, in all stances, that, that you need it? It means on average, yes, it makes a massive difference. There are circumstances where you could kind of go in a different direction. The primary thing you need to focus on is a high-skilled, in-demand field that you should choose, right? So if, if you look at um, like our, our Asian brothers and sisters, when they go off to university, on average, typically... 30% of the degrees they earn are these STEM-related fields, which, which are high-skilled fields, high-demand, high-compensation. So they're barreling towards um, you know, the, the top 10% of earners by choosing those fields, right? Plus or minus those fields could be $1 to $2 million of lifetime earnings versus somebody choosing some other fields, right? Uh, that's lower compensation. So 
these these kind of things are are these decisions that are really important. Now, that's going to come from um, the concentration of that that's already existing in people's communities, which may not be the case, right? In, in our communities, it can come from kind of massive levels of being pushed and compelled to move in those directions, right? Which may or may not be the case, right? Within within certain communities. So we have to inform our young people about the opportunities that are there for them and to let them know how transformative that they can be. So they orient themselves with the knowledge that it exists and to put in the work to be able to get there with us trying to assist them all the way through, right? To be able to, to get there. The issue is you gotta get the highest quality degree at the lowest possible cost, right? So the, of course, we should look at you know uh, state schools. More people are educated through state schools than than than, than the other schools. They pr- provide all kinds of amazing amazing leaders. The cost of the education is subsidized. Part of what's a problem is people will choose to not go to their state school that's subsidized for residents in that state and go to some other state school and pay twice the price for the same course because they're out of state student. That makes no economic sense whatsoever. That dramatically drives up your cost. If that's your dream school and you're the dream student to them, then they should make you whole. And if they don't make you whole, go to your state school. Now, if you want to go to a private school and, and that's your dream, fine. Do the work necessary so they put the money on the table to make you whole, right? We can't have our young people graduating with $100,000 worth of debt, $150,000 worth of debt and these things because you have this massive anchor around you. It's like it's intercepting your earnings, right? Having all that debt converts earning like $80,000 to like you're earning $65,000 because so much is being diverted into kind of paying that off. You want to avoid that. In, in, in the first place. And when it comes to community college, it's all in a strategy that, that you take. I think whether it's you know community college, state school or whatever, you have to be aiming to do your level best, right? So if you go to community college and, and you beast out, typically they have relationships with the state schools where you get automatic acceptance into these amazing state schools and you qualify for scholarships within various, um, departments within the schools, if you're interested in business or real estate or science or kind of whatever it is, that can be a great path, right? Some of these places are $6,000, $7,000, $8,000, right, for per year, for two years. And then you scholarship your way in to the state school, and then you're graduating uh, with that. And there, there's some amazing state schools, you know, all around, all around the country. The, the strategy is always, how do I get the highest quality education that's in it, that's in demand at the absolute lowest price, and then and then shop yourself around, because there's scholarships out there, and in our local communities, it's typically between five and maybe seven or eight thousand dollars worth of scholarships. That's just for folks in that community, that you're getting from your church, that you're getting from the chamber, that you're getting for nonprofits. That's for your particular city or area or district mm-hmm. or whatever. That's money on the table that lots of folks leave leave on the table. The, the whole country is not competing against that. Make sure you take all of that, you know, off, off the table. They pay for brain, they pay for brawn, develop both and get paid for something, right? 
Yep. Uh, uh, agreed. And, and it's so important that we go into STEM. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, our Asian brothers and sisters, uh, when you look at, you know, the, the pay gap, um, they're actually quite ahead. Asian men make more than white men and, and Asian women are at 98 cents to the, to the dollar for white men. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know about this statistic until last year, but I'm like, wow, like they, they, as you mentioned, are really focused on uh, STEM and high producing jobs. So as black people, you know, we're, we're, we're getting more educated, uh, specifically black women. Um, and it's important that we have our daughters and our sisters uh, go into these fields and promote it. That it's cool to, to, to go in these places because we're, we're currently in the fourth uh, uh, generation, uh, fourth um, industrial generation, and it's all technology. And we're missing out on it. And we see all these companies um, going public, uh, these uh, white creators, you know, becoming billionaires. And I think it would be so powerful if it was a black person who started something, it goes public, they become a billionaire. Um, and, you know, that's something that everyone start looking, looking after. So it's very important that these companies start investing in these black businesses, these, these tech companies, so that we can have the representation and it'd be cool to go into tech because uh, now it's, it's we're starting to get strides in it, but we have so much more we have to do. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's kind of like the you know what's the the driver in the household, right? Uh, and it's not just you know Asia, you know folks from from Asia. You you have other kind of immigrant populations where it's like doctor, lawyer, engineer, right? Like that's it. And then you've got to appeal if you want to be something else, but then it's got to be as impactful, right? That has a huge impact, right? In terms of like pushing kind of young people in different places. So, you know, that's uh, an impetus that we need to put in place, right? The Asian population and in, in, in right now is largely an immigrant population, right? So they are not representative of where they actually came from. There's a different energy of people who decide to pick up and leave to go to another country, kind of start over and, and all that kind of stuff. And just to have, you know, full transparencies, that level of energy, like black people have been had that, but you couldn't go, right? You could have all of that energy, doctor, lawyer, engineer, all that kind of stuff. And they say, no, you can't get here. And that's, that's the difference. Like, you take anybody, you run them through 153 years of that, then we'll see where they are, right? And and, and that's the, the challenge, right? Where you can't actually do this stuff apples to apples, right? From from that, because there that energy wasn't met by a grotesque, unbelievable level of, of discrimination and violence that could lead to your death, right? If you decided to go down kind of certain paths. So we do, it's just to more to, sometimes we go into this blame black people thing and everybody else is awesome. We need a little bit of context, uh, you know, around that, but we do have to have a greater drive within our household and with our communities to push our young people into higher earning uh, fields for sure. And we certainly need to have much more of a PhD mindset because what's the point of having another black billionaire if they do very limited business with black people? Now you just got a symbol and we've had enough symbols. You know what I mean? If, if you're a billionaire, you could put up the money to fund these, um, these, these black um, startups. You, you actually don't have to wait for other people to do it, right? You could do it yourself. And that's, that's part of more of what we need to be thinking, right? 
uh, agreed uh, wholeheartedly. Um, as we, you know, discuss you know different uh, ethnic groups. Um, one thing that I see nowadays so much is you know the term minority, and you know black people are lumped in with all these other groups, Asian, um, Hispanic. I mean, all these other groups and and uh, indigenous people and everyone has a different experience, but no one has the experience that we have. Mm -hmm. And I just see like in terms of initiatives, in terms of legislation where everything says minority. And, and one thing that I know about other minority groups, they usually take advantage of benefits quicker than the black po population, uh, yeah. a lot of instances. So like, how do, how do we, how do we fix that? And, and I know it's no simple fix, but it, I see it now, like, like I read through the different uh, documents and different um, disclaimers and some of these things. And it's just like, they include everyone, everyone in this. And, you know, we're the last to know, we'll look at the PPP, we were you know, last, last to apply for this. So other groups took advantage of it and, you know, we were last. And it just seems like that's, you know, kind of the cycle that we we've been on for forever. And, I, I don't know how to how do we fix that when we need to be in our own specific group. Yeah. So I think again, that's also education, right? Because and, and that's another reason why I wrote the black tax. We have this idea like we're all the same. We're not all the same. Right? It's not even close, right? People people have had uh discrimination and hardships and all kinds of issues, and those things are valid and they should be treated as such, right? And whatever issues they have should be redressed. Um, th there are levels to deprivation and they absolutely have not had the, the level of, of, of deprivation and discrimination that black people have, but so much of the history has no real meaning. What, what, does, what does almost 250 years of slavery even mean to these folks? Particularly if you there's there's you see politicians saying, oh, you know, you were in the jungle, then they kind of grabbed you, brought you over here, gave you a job, gave you some religion, and it was a good deal for you. And then you got free. You've been free for a long time. And now you've been free riding off of affirmative action for 60 years. You should be good. Why is there a unique issue associated with black people? That statement makes sense in the absence of information. Like when I say, you know, when you're ignorant, nonsense makes perfect sense. Right. That's why I put things in context. Right. What was the economic impact of almost 250 years of forced extracted labor under torturous conditions? What was the economic impact of Jim Crow? Oh, by the way, what was Jim Crow? Because it's a horribly non-descriptive name. It doesn't mean anything. It's like the Sean Rochester period. What does that convey? Right. Oh, by the way, for these trillions of dollars equivalent in today's dollars that they economically pushed into the system, how much of that went to, to black people? And most of the, the folks that we're talking about arrived here after the civil rights legislation. They were 1% of the American electorate at that point, 1%, right? They're pushing 20% now where all of these resources are being made available. That's a timing issue, right? You're here at that time. You're actually here when the wage premium for, for getting a college education went from 50% to 100%. That happened during that period of time, right? The rise of the super managers, people who had college degrees that rode to very high corporate levels who now would be making millions of dollars. People were on a path to do that 
while Black people were still getting started. 5% of Black people had college degrees back in 1970s because of all the time kind of leading, leading up to that. There's a context here that's missing. People believe like the struggle is all the same or the struggle is, is over, right, for Black people. It's not even close. The data is very clear. Even the implication of your name, your work product is interpreted differently if you're Black. Your presence in a room is interpreted differently if you're Black. That doesn't apply to minorities. That's a Black issue, right? So what you have is things that are Black issues become converted to minority constructs because people are uncomfortable with the word and the implication of Black. It's almost like they're insulted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't bring race into this. I didn't bring race into anything. You brought race into it, right? I just said Black. You know what I mean? So people have to be able to, to, you need a paradigm shift so people aren't seeing that way. Now, let's take a really concrete example. Let's look at supply chain spend, right? Let's say we said, let's do more business with women-owned businesses that are large enough to have employees. Is that a good idea? Yes, it is. Double down, triple down, quadruple on down on that, right? All agreed? Let's ask ourselves, how much revenue do they drive? Businesses large enough to have employees that are women. 1.2 trillion. How much of that is from black women? It's like 2%. So you're telling me that for every $100 you put into that program, it ain't to the $99 that a sister sees a nickel of it. Right? So that's very, very general. That's not an effective way to get to black enterprise going to that route. That's incredibly diluted. Almost 90% of that revenue is white women. Right? If you say the same thing for our Latino brothers and sisters, I think it's a great idea. Double down, quadruple down on investing more in those businesses. If you say how many, how much revenue do those businesses drive that are large enough to have employees, it's $380 billion. Now ask yourself, how much of that is from black people within that group? 2%. There you go. 2%. So again, for every $100 you put in, it's not until the $99. Now, if you say, let's do more with our Asian brothers and sisters, I agree, double, triple, quadruple down, I'm all in. They're generating $628 billion, the ones that have employees. If I add up that whole group that's diverse, 4% of that is going to black enterprise. 4%. That's not of all spend. That's just the minority spend. That's like filling a swimming pool to get a glass of water. It's absurd, but most people don't know that. They're well-intentioned with this minority stuff, but they don't realize the importance of specificity. Mind you, they realize in every other aspect of problem solving. When it comes melanin related, it's all, it's all woozy, right? Like oh, I can't wrap my head around it right? You need to be specific and you need to be targeted. And we know that when you're specific and you're targeted, that you get better outcomes, right? That is demonstrably so. Then you'll have people who will say, well, what about the law? And then I'm like, so change the law. Change everything else. <laughs> well, you don't have to accept anything. So change the law. All kinds of things were legal that are horrific now, right? Somebody has to be engaged in a long-term strategy to change the ecosystem to make this stuff more conducive. And by the way, this doesn't only just benefit Black people. It benefits the entire ecosystem but the, because resources flow from Black people into other communities. 
We employ other people at higher rates than they employ us. We spend with other people at higher rates than they than they spend with us, right? If you actually want to be diverse, you should do business with Black Enterprise. Yep, uh, uh, I definitely agree. Um, it's so important that they get really granular. You know, no, you know, people of color, minorities, you know, uh, uh, marginalized groups, just black. The term black. Um, and I thought, you know, with so much that transpired last year, Black Lives Matter, you know, um, the deaths of many uh, uh, black people who were murdered. I, I think we missed the opportunity to get really specific uh, in terms of something. Um, and there was a lot of misdirection of different things, such as changing, you know, Aunt Mama and Uncle Ben's, uh, all these millions of dollars that they spend on this, where it could have just went to a scholarship fund uh, and communities that uh, black people uh, should, should have been targeted in. But um, it, it's, it's but really I, frustrating. Yeah, I want to add this and I apologize for cutting you off. We asked for this stuff also. We speak in this language of diverse and minority, right? Like when, when, when black people are talking, we've been socialized. I, I'm being generous when I say we, because I don't actually speak in this language, right? Um, to, to replace black with of color, minority, and every other euphemism you could find for it, because it's more acceptable to the, the non-black audience to receive it in that way, right? Makes other people feel more comfortable. Other minorities, by the way, always feel like they're being left out whenever somebody speaks specifically about black. But when there's a program specific to them, they're under no requirement to talk about what they're doing to elevate black people. They're under no requirement to talk about how they invest in black people, even the black people within their group. No requirement, right? So we, you have to be specific. You keep asking for diverse solutions. Language is very important. Policy follows language, right? And the distribution of resources follows policy. You keep asking for diverse stuff when you mean black and you're gonna get diverse stuff, which is not necessarily black. It's very dilutive, right? And this is something that, that we need to correct in our own language. And I understand why, because it's more acceptable to the powers that be, which is why both folks need to be educated. You need to be specific, right? This is beneficial for the whole ecosystem. Minority, diverse, and black, and, and inclusive does not mean black. You can have very successful minority, diverse, inclusive program that have marginal to no impact on black constituents. Why? Because the levels of anti-black bias are quite high and it exists within minorities as well. And that's the frustrating part with um, a lot us on this show because we, we kind of get frustrated at people that are that have this i guess loyalty to the democratic party and as opposed don't get me wrong you know we we have our issues with the, with, with the republican party as well but n no party or neither party is is specifying and and and, and using those words like like a black people or african-american it's 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 minority in their policies and they're not helping us at all specifically. And I wish that we could kind of understand our power economically, you know, in a unified manner, of course, but understand that power and, you know, kind of use our demands to whatever party's going to give us results. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think you, what you need to do is state your economic interests, which is why I gave you this PhD framework. This is a language. 
You want jobs, business, and capital, period. Say it again and again and again. That's what you want. You want jobs, business, and capital. You want to organize in such a way that leads to better health and educational outcome, and you want it in a Black community specifically. That's what you want. Whatever party can step up, and they can meet that need, right? And if they do, then you ride with them. If they give you a plan that you feel comfortable with, that they got a good shot to execute it, then they get their first term. If they can show you results from the execution of that plan, then you get your second term. If you can't show either, help me help you. It's not personal, right? But what exactly are people asking for from either party? You want fairness, right? You want civil and social things, or do you want economics? And by economics, what precisely are you talking about, right? Because people are going to give you what you ask for. And if you ask for things that are not economic, that's what you're gonna get. Now, if you say, if you deliver these things to us, then we got your back. Then let them deliver. And then they compete. And oh, by the way, don't wait to the 11th hour to ask for what it is that you want. It makes no sense whatsoever. It was just an election. Start asking from now. Mm-hmm. Right? From, from the day after that election. Start asking for that point throughout the full cycle every day. It's a, it's a continuum. And people start to understand what it is that they need to deliver right to you so you don't just get symbolism. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> you know, they'll say, listen, if we hear you loud and clear, we're going to build some low-income housing in your community. That's a wonderful thing. Houses should be more affordable right, for families to be able to own and for them to have a shot to pay that off over time and to increase their wealth profile. Okay, are these new housing? Almost always, yes, right? Who's building it? Who's designing it? Where are you getting a wrong? If you got a PhD mindset, you're asking those questions. If you don't, you're just a consumer, right? Are they gonna give the houses away? No. They're going to sell them. Oh, who's going to be engaged in that process? Right? That's all PhD. Are they going to be insured? You're not. Of course, rhetorical questions. Where are you getting insurance from? Right? In that process of a billion-dollar project that, that you're doing, you have all the costs, right, associated with the raw materials, the labor, the conversion of those things, the transactions cost. How are Black people, professionals, and enterprise integrated into that? And because we don't have this PhD mindset, it's the precise reason why you could do a billion-dollar project in the middle of a Black community, and there'd be no economic benefit for the community. They're not including people within a payroll. They're not including people on the supply chain. They're not leveraging their balance sheet to provide liquidity. That is the power of PhD that I talk about, this PhD economic framework. Tell them you want that and be really clear. Oh yeah, that that was amazing. Thank you for dropping those gems. Uh, it's so important that uh, we do follow that PhD, that we do follow purchase, hire, and deposit, um, and every everything that we do in life. Uh, because the starting businesses having ownership previously were owned, so now we need to own actual capital. Uh, is the only way that we can truly make change. So uh, I have one last question. Um, you wrote a book called CPR for the Soul. Um, yeah how to give yourself 20% raise and give um, 
uh, inheritance for your children's children. Um, how, um, what was like, what's the biggest takeaway from that book that we can, that you could share with our listeners? Oh, wow. There's a lot of takeaways. Um, <clears throat> that's a really good question. Uh, I'll give you a, a couple of different, you know, takeaways. Like um, one, a lot of the advice that I saw was about what I call allocation problems. So you have 750,000, you have a million dollars. How do you allocate that across different asset classes so you can help generate more generational wealth, right? So you're going to put some in stocks and bonds and real estate, Bitcoin, whatever, right? That's an allocation problem. That's typically not our problem. Problem that we tend to have on average is an accumulation problem, which is how do I get to that state in the first place, right? And I didn't see a lot of people working on that. And I certainly didn't see a lot of them working on that with the position that Black people are in. Right. This advice, like sell the extra car, like give me a break. You know what I mean? Or just pay off the debt. Like if you had the liquid money to pay off the debt, we would have already done it. Right. You're doing that through your earnings. So I wanted to focus on kind of where we are now and how to solve this allocation problem, but also tie it um, to our like Christian belief system. Right. It's, it's written with like a reference to the things we already believe. Right. Um, and I'm just showing people how to be, you know, consistent with it. Like um, when you talk about what the stewardship means, which is how do you handle, manage and grow your limited resources? Because they are limited, less than what you should have to maximize cash flow. You got to get to cash flow maximization no matter what, or there is no second step. Right. And precisely how do you go about doing that in a world that rewards you for looking like you have stuff when you don't actually have stuff? Right. Nobody's going to get that for pushing the Civic. Right. If you roll in in the Benz or the Beamer or whatever, you fill in the blank. The assumption is that you're doing really, really well. The reality is you pay fifteen hundred dollars a month on a car potentially that you can't afford. Right. Which is which is kind of crazy. But your reward from the public is so strong, it's palpable. You can see the glisten in people's eyes when you kind of show up, right? How do you help people to decide to not take that reward and kind of focus on, on something else? And I kind of go through those things, right? Like I, I help people to understand that, you know, you can't see ownership. You can see possession, right? You don't know what I own and what I don't own, regardless of what I'm pushing, right? People's Bank might own that, right? So what we've been substituted is you have the ability to possess something ahead of owning it. And the focus more is on ownership, right? And the focus more is on stewardship. And it's like, how do you go about actually doing these things? And how do you do it in a systematic way that's reasonable, that's repeatable, and that builds and compounds, right? And puts you in the best economic position you know, possible. So th those are some of the, you know, the key, you know, takeaways. Um, and then I just tie it to what people already believe, you know, and I just show them how to act on those belief systems. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, thank you for those, those many gems. Uh, uh, this has been an amazing discussion with you and we appreciate you just for coming on uh, and having this candid conversation, uh, talking about the black tax, talking about CPR for the soul. Uh, we so appreciate you coming on. Lastly, just my question is, uh, where can people find you? Where via social media or your website? Can you just uh, let the listeners know? Yeah, so 
Uh, you guys can get the book. I'll start with where you can get the book. You guys can get the book on Amazon Kindle, if that's your preferred mode. It's on Audible. Uh, for all my audiobook folks that are out there, you can also get it on our website, which is www.blacktaxedwithed.com. That's www.blacktaxedwithed.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as Sean Rochester. I'm on Instagram uh, as Black Tax, on Twitter as Black Tax. Then, of course, the website, uh, primary places where you can you know, can reach me. Get the book, uh, read it. There's tremendous information on it. I have a blog where I have a, a list of books that you can read on race and economics that are that are extraordinary that you guys can check out. Yes, uh, I highly recommend guys uh, getting the book, Amazon, uh, Kindle. Audible as well. Uh, there's plenty of free trials if, if um, you know, we're going to help you out with a budget and uh, try Audible, get the free trial. But uh, we so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, once again, I just want to thank the listeners for tuning in for another episode. Uh, this episode is all about redefining the Black experience and we're going to redefine wealth and build and lift as we climb. So with that, this is your boy Mookie. And your favorite color in the world, brown. It's the 30 to Life podcast. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and tune in each and every week, every Wednesday. Thank you, guys. We out.